right, everybody. Welcome to another installment of Innovation Crush. Oh, an audience of one. One. <laughs> also co-host. Singular sensation. Um, that was Cat Jones. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Hi. Tell, tell us a little bit about you. I've, I haven't seen you in a lot. Like you got the new haircut. I got a new your haircut. Teeth are all whitened. Teeth. Well, the only reason the teeth looked whitened is because my hair is brighter. Uh, so it's kind of this contrast that I got going on. Magic. Uh, no. Yeah. Chris and I go fairly way back. And I feel like you thought I would be a good fit for co-hosting with you because we've done co-hosting gigs bef- in the past. But also since this is marketing focused, um, I do marketing as well. I'm in the marketing field. And so, you know, this yes. is a little bit about me. I also heard you couldn't pay your rent. So I figured yeah, we, yeah, we I need, I need some residuals. A penny or two on the side, <laughs> you know, to, to keep me going. Just because I live in my car does not mean I can't pay my rent. There okay? you go. Uh, I happen to like my car. <laughs> your it's car's comfortable. beautiful. <laughs> uh, in case you're tuning in for the first time, I hope not. Uh, this show for, focuses on everything innovative. In, innovative. Look at me. Uh, He's even <laughs> innovating the word innovative. Exactly. I make, innovative. I make up things as I, as I go. Um, <laughs> innovation, marketing, ideas, um, really cool things we see in the marketplace. And uh, today we had, we've already got a couple of chuckles on the line. Uh, a, a really amazing guest by the name of Give Baluch. You want to say hello, Give? Hi, how are you? Thanks for having me. <laughs> I'm fine, and you are welcome. And he officially has the coolest name um, on the face of the planet. That is hands true. Hands down. Where does that name come Thank from? Thank you very uh, much. I agree. <laughs> <laughs> let's start there. Where, where does the name come from? It's Iranian. It's Persian. Ah, all right. Well, that's fancy. From the far Middle East. The far, fancy. far Middle East. <laughs> it's always good to have a name with a story. Yeah. Uh, Chris Denson doesn't, doesn't cut it. So um, I know for me, at least, when I found out that uh, L'Oreal had an incubator, it, it kind of blew my mind. So, um, you know, I wanted to just at least start off by you explaining what this, you know, incubator is for the audience. Sure. Yeah. So we started this incubator about 18 months ago, and essentially what it does is that um, we decided that we wanted to create something that could really be the future of beauty. So we know that the consumers are changing like day to day, like everyone's more connected to their phones and to their, um, you know, their consumer experiences are completely evolving. So we thought, why not try something really disruptive and put a whole bunch of different people around the table from PhDs in physics and math all the way to marketing and education people and kind of see what these kind of crazy group of people can create that's more about technology than it is about the product itself. So um, so we have this really in- eclectic and diverse group of people, and we have them in California, in New York, and uh, in Paris, and we kind of all work together as a team, like a little startup, to figure out how we can bring new innovative technologies that are based on science to the cosmetic industry. So it's really unique and it's, it's really a dream job. It's quite amazing to have this group of people. That's pretty, that's pretty awesome. And, and like, how did this come together as a vision, right? You, it's just not something you hear too often, you know, a, a cosmetics organization like, hey, let's play with technology. Like it just on the yeah. surface, it yeah. does not make yeah. sense. You know, um, like how did that come to be? Because you've, you've been at L'Oreal for a while, but not in this sort yeah. of capacity. 
Yeah, no, I mean, I think you're, you're right. I mean, it's not intuitive that, like, someone would think that, like, L'Oreal would just open up a tech incubator. But if you, if I could tell you a little bit about L'Oreal, actually, in fact, you would see that it's, like, it's totally the spirit of our company because L'Oreal is, like, a very entrepreneurial company, and it's not as process-driven as a lot of the larger organizations. So sometimes we just come up with, like, these ideas about how can we do something, you know, how can we create something that will be the future of how our consumers will buy products and we'll just have an idea and it's a small idea. It will be like, let's just start an incubator. They choose a person. And so I was lucky enough to be chosen. I've been in the company seven years and they just thought, I think cause they thought I'm from California. So this is one, uh, good piece of the puzzle. So incubator started people. in San Francisco. So they were like, um, let's pick the crazy California guy. And, um, and then we kind of just started to think about what do we want to do? Like what, what would the consumer in 2020, would, um, what would they be doing and what kinds of products would they be using and how could we partner up with startups and universities and, you know, um, really innovative technologies to create some disruptive, um, disruptive kind of experiences in the cosmetic industry. So it really did kind of just come about because we felt that the, the industry was becoming more and more consumer experience centric rather than just uh, product centric. So we were like, we need to kind of bring a lot of scientists and marketing people and um, innovation people all together and see how we can tackle this problem. So essentially you just kind of made it up. <laughs> Get it? Make, make. Yeah, basically, make. I made it up. <laughs> <laughs> one thing, one thing you'll learn. No. Yeah, one one thing you'll learn about Chris within thirty seconds is that he is the most punny individual you will ever meet. Punny, not funny. Punny, <laughs> um, not funny. No, I'm just kidding. No, um, you're right. You took the three minutes. You put it in ten seconds. Basically, <laughs> what I said in three minutes was we made it up. And it up. but you know, there's kind of some rhyme to the chaos. Like it seems chaotic the way we thought about it, but that's really how innovation happens, right? It's like it doesn't just, you don't plan for it. You kind of just realize that there's a need and you just think, let's just do something. And it's kind of, it's really the spirit of how we work inside L'Oreal, which is like very entrepreneurial. So it's like, we just do things and we try them and we're completely comfortable with the fact that they may not be super, you know, planned out. I personally think that this is fantastic, and I, and I, walking into this room, had no idea that that was something that L'Oreal did. So as just a female consumer of the L'Oreal brand, like that makes me walk into a, um, you know, a supermarket or something and see the see the L'Oreal brand and think even think differently of it, of it. So I think that's really exciting. One thing that um, awesome. that me as a marketer, like I think about when you talk about these types of experiences or you know product innovations. Um, do you guys have an overarching goal of what you're trying to accomplish? Like at the end of, you know, say the end of 2014, do you want to be able to create a new product or create a new vision or create, you know, uh, a new offline or online experience that ties to the L'Oreal brand? Like what, what do you, is there an ultimate end goal or is it just like, you know, I know that you said or that there's, like, there's rhyme. Play, yeah, right? I know that there's, like you said, there's there's rhyme and reason to it, but is it at the end of the day just like getting a bunch of intelligent people in the space together and coming up with new things? Or is there kind of an end goal, like this is what we want to accomplish? Yeah, I mean, I think it, there obviously has to be some levels of goals and because we're a small team, so we're like in a very large organization and we're a startup. So 
we can't work on a thousand ideas because if we do that, then what will happen is that we'll just be spread too thin and we won't kind of innovate or disrupt the industry. So what we do is we kind of think to ourselves really like we have, we don't have like a goal in mind that in 2014, we're going to create three products. I think really our goal is uh, we want to pick the right projects and the right need gaps that really need this group of people to kind of create something new. So for example, um, we created this application called Makeup Genius, which is all about how can we um, really disrupt and, and innovate the way that consumers try virtually their makeup um, online and on their phone. And the, the kind of idea came up with us because we thought, well, is this something that really needs to be disrupted? That's our first question. Is this something that like, we think if we can create something extraordinary would change the way that cosmetic consumers think about products or buy products or experience products? And then the second question we ask ourselves is, do we really, do we need technical expertise? Do we need um, the R&D part of, of the company? Because we're inside the R&D organization. So even though we work super close to the business, our goal is to make sure that everything we do enhances the performance of our products and our consumers. So once we kind of decide what the consumer need gaps are and what the technology need gaps are, then we say, okay, this is a project for us. So it sounds like a lot of projects could fall into that, but actually it's not really the case. There are some really key strategic areas where we think that we could be of very big value. So, um, you know, obviously we want to move quickly because we're a startup and we're kind of agile and we want to show that we can do things fast, but we want to make sure that there's a piece to it, which is very technological based and really needs this group, specific group of people to make it happen. That's great. Um, and you know, even along those lines, I think, you know, you, you started off talking about how the company is kind of built for this type of innovation. You know, you'll find a lot of, a lot of companies say that, right? Oh, well, we're innovative. And then you get yeah. in there and there's a, there's an innovation team set up and they have this whole practice. And then, you know, a year, three years later, it's shut down, right? What, yeah. when L'Oreal looks at you and your effort and your team's efforts, you know, what are some indicators of success for them, right? Because they're paying for these yeah. essentially experiments. Um, but what is, what did they go and go, okay, keep going, Gabe, you're, you're on track. Yeah, no, it's a good question. I mean, I think like, you know, you're right. I totally agree with you. I think like a lot of companies claim that they're innovative, but what I think makes us unique, and I'm not, you know, doing this to sell L'Oreal, but I truly believe this. Oh, trust me, I've already bought some. At, <laughs> <laughs> um, but it's the fact that, you know, we believe in people more than we believe in, like, departments. You know what I mean? So, like, we're, I, don't, I don't think our goal is to say, okay, let's just open a little department. I think they see, they pick entrepreneurial people, and they see that spirit, and they just kind of grow things around the people. So, like, for me, the KPI, obviously, I can't just go around and just, you know, have, like, amazing talk and not deliver something that's, you know, that shows that we're doing something that um, makes sense. Um, I think for us, the real uh, KPI is to kind of create um, new experiences for our consumers that obviously can show that we are, like, by far ahead in the industry on certain sectors. So, for example... I mean, to be more pragmatic, so I can give you an example. In the area of augmented reality, so what we created, this um, virtual makeup 
uh, app called Makeup Genius. The entire industry was very much based on photo-based technology. So you would take a photo of yourself um, and you'd like apply, you'd show on the app where your eyes are, where your lips are. And we know that, you know, this is, it takes a long time. It's gimmicky. A lot of companies are doing it in the space. And consumers don't, a lot of times women and men, by the way, because I'm going to add myself to that, don't like themselves in photos in specific lighting. So the question was, could we create something that by far shows, and really the KPIs by the consumer, will the consumer really know that we can create something that's by far more realistic than what's on the market? And once we do something like that, I think it just shows itself to the company that we really need this type of group of people. And we need these group of people like my team to be as agile and as, um, as connected to the higher level parts of the organization as possible. So nothing is diluted. Right. So I think, you know, um, yeah, so I think it speaks for itself, really. Once we put something on the market, it really starts to speak for itself and we can see if consumers are gravitating towards it. Now, uh, you know, when I when I read up on Makeup Genius, right, I, I see that there's like, you know, you can try over 300 different products. You know, there's 12 yeah. kind of like signature looks or just kind mm -hmm. of packets, packages you can you can try on. You know, what what was kind of like the consumer re research that went into that, right? When I see 300 products, right, for me, I go, yeah. Yeah, what does that are, mean? are you going to be paralyzed by choice, right? Yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah. oh, my, which shade do I use? Yeah. And, and how do I match all these? <laughs> the combinations well, I, 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 are, I like are crazy. how you have that insight. That's kind of, that's kind of cool. Um, no, well, you know, let me tell you, actually, the story behind it is actually really, really pragmatic. Um, there was a moment where I was walking into a Walgreens in New York. I swear to God, this actually happened. And I was at the Walgreens, and I see that there's this woman who's on her knee at the Walgreens looking at thousands of colors on the shelf. And I could see that, you know, she was confused. What brand do I buy? What color? What shade? What is it going to look like? And, you know, this consumer doesn't have the time to kind of have a makeup artist apply this type of makeup on her and, you know, test it. So there was this real, like, need gap where it was like, how can we empower people to try on products and before they are able to buy it. So they make the right choices. And I agree with you that, you know, having 300 products on an application may also be overwhelming, but in fact, the way that we created the experience is that it's really twofold. The first is that we have some looks and the looks and are constantly updated. So we have new looks that are from the runway from like, uh, you know, um, different parts of uh, different new products that are being launched and you could just try on an entire look instantaneously all in real time or you can scan any product at the retailer so if you're at that you know retail shelf and you see hundreds of products you can see a product that you want to see what it would look like you scan it with the app and you can immediately see it on your face so oh, wow. for me I didn't want to restrict the consumer I wanted the consumer to have as many options but we have ways that we can kind of help them make the choices without being overwhelmed. 
That's awesome. Yeah. Actually, one thing that comes to my mind, and I, uh, this is such a guilty pleasure, and I cannot believe I'm admitting this into a microphone live on the air. Here we go. <laughs> but um, one thing that, like, that I think about, you know, when, uh, of course, I never thought about what you guys created. That's just amazing and innovative. But, like, if I'm looking through, flipping through, like, a magazine and I see a celebrity with a certain type of makeup style on, is there a capability yeah. in the app or, like, is that something you guys have thought about where you, someone can, like, scan a picture of the celeb or you guys have, you know, like, like, like you said, like you ch- interchange different looks, like you have a certain celebrity yeah. look. Cause as much as like, you know, some people just don't like to admit it. Like me, sometimes I see a look on a, on like a person's, a very familiar person's face, you know, in a, in a magazine or something like Jennifer Aniston or whatever. And you're like, yeah. I, I want to recreate that look on myself, you know, like, is that something you guys yeah, totally. thought about or by the way, that's not just for women. I mean, when I see a George Clooney ad, I'm like, can I scan this? I want yeah. to be George <laughs> but, I want to be Denzel, um, no, by the way, I think in the you're equalizer. Right. No, you know, in fact, uh, that's part of our roadmap. So we have this functionality, which is going to be launched very soon as an update to the app um, that will allow you to scan ads. So the idea oh, wow. would be that you could go to any ad. So, it, you know, you should work for L'Oreal because you have some good ideas. So, <laughs> um, we thought about that and your paycheck's in the mail. But oh, we no thought about that. But, you know, and, and we think it's, you know, we had so many ideas behind it. Our first, our first point was let's get the technology out there to the mm-hmm. consumer because it's so disruptive and we've seen such a flock of um, people just really amazed by how the technology kind of shows you in, in instantaneously and in real time the makeup. Yeah. But then, of course, we thought to ourselves, wouldn't it be cool if someone could go to any ad and kind of scan the, you know, a picture? So that's coming. It's coming um, in the next few months, it will launch in the application as an update. So you'll see that really soon. Well, that's one thing I, I, you know, I find pretty interesting, too, is kind of like planning for iteration, right? You, you know, Even though there's yeah. a, a huge uh, body of products that are featured in the app, um, you know, you're thinking about this as a long tail experience versus like, let's throw all the features we think yeah. of, you know, what, what kind of yeah. planning goes into that though? You know, how do you decide like, all right, we're going to launch with set a, and then we're going to add B, C and D over time. Yeah. No, you know what? That's actually a really good question because it's not an easy question to answer. Cause it's like, sometimes you think to yourself, like maybe if we just wait an extra week, if we just wait an extra week, we could add X, Y, and Z. And I think there's always another week. But the way that I approach things, and I think it's really important when you're talking about innovative projects, is that you have to figure out what is the core goal that I want to get to the consumer first. And for me, it was I wanted to get the technology because it was so like unique. I wanted to get the ability for women to be able to scan products and try products and see them instantaneously on their face. And then I told myself, okay, it's an, it's a technology and a technology is a living organism. So like every few weeks we have to give our consumers more and more functionality beyond that first thing that I just told you. So, um, it's how I approach it. I think the approach was very pragmatic. Um, but it was like, we had this really disruptive technology and we didn't want it to, we didn't want to delay to get it to the consumers because we felt there was such a need gap in the area of virtual try-on. 
And based on even just going to any um, retailer, you see that. And so it's an enhancement of that experience and retail experience too. Right. So we just, we just took a really step-by-step approach. And I think, um, uh, you know, it's true for any really good app on the market, right? You, every few months you want to see some new functionality. You don't want it all at once and then to say bye-bye and for a year, nothing changes. So um, we took the approach of, of taking it step-by-step. I can I can definitely see your uh, scientific approach. I'm going I'm going to read something. Um, That's my PhD talking. I know. All right, and listen yes, now. Now listen to me talk. Watch this. Uh, during development, growth factors and hormones cooperate to establish the unique sizes, shapes, and material properties of individual bones. Among these, TGF beta has been shown to developmentally regulate bone mass and bone matrix properties. However, the mechanisms that control postnatal skeletal integrity in a dynamic, biological, <laughs> and mechanical environment are distinct from those that regulate bone development. What just happened? <laughs> exactly. And so, Basically, what just you happened? just got a master's degree in bone biology. <laughs> bone, <laughs> bone biology. I can't believe you Googled my name. Wow. <laughs> you know, this is the problem with having a unique name, by the way. <laughs> I did not write that. The there's not, yeah, there's not a hundred of you. <laughs> exactly. I'm sorry. The first eight pages was all, I even saw your childhood photos. Um, but no, like, oh, things, God. things no. are getting creepy. Things are getting creepy. No, but, <laughs> but, but it's a podcast and not a video. <laughs> You'd be surprised. Um, nice. Look up to your left. No, just kidding. Um, we can see uh-oh. you. <laughs> no, but I, I read this and I go, okay, he's a real scientist, right? Like, you're, this isn't like, oh, you got yeah. the title of like social scientist. You're like, this is. I'm legit. Right. You're, you're legit. Saying, and right? too legit to quit in some ways. <laughs> um, how does somebody who talks about bones and mouse teeth i read that one too um yeah. <laughs> land at a l'oreal and starts to help cat jones maybe look a little bit better but, uh, trying <laughs> maybe. No, you know i wish i could She's tell you that the way, I, no, I if people close their eyes and uh and uh mascara but no i think you know what happened was um uh, you know, I have a science background, but as you can tell, I, I, I think you can tell I love to kind of interact and create things for the business. And what I, when I was in pharmaceutical industry, I really loved it because the end goal is like you're, you're really, you know, doing something very, very noble and very good for the world, you know, um, in terms of medical and medicine and things like that. But I just felt it was really slow paced. And what I loved about the cosmetic industry, it's why I started looking into it, was I felt that not only do we make people happy and we kind of find ways to make people feel better about themselves, but there's a lot of science that goes behind what we do. Like, even just when you look at um, Makeup Genius, I mean, that's really a facial augmented reality technology. In the end, the consumer just sees this really cool way to try on makeup. But behind that, there's just a lot of science and there's, it's a lot more fast paced and cosmetic. So you can kind of um, be a lot more entrepreneurial in the, especially at L'Oreal because we just create things all the time. So maybe it's my ADHD side talking. I haven't actually been diagnosed with that, but I, I'm pretty sure I have something uh, similar, but it's uh, I just really want to be in a more dynamic space. And it just fell on my lap. I was like, okay, so I'm going to apply, and now I'm, I'm stuck. I, I love it, so I don't think I'm going to be leaving. Uh, and it's, it, it, it truly comes through in the way that you explain everything and the way you talk about it. You could tell it's something that you're not only you know, committed to, but it's something you're passionate about, and you, you genuinely know what you're doing you know, is, is for the better of kind of the cosmetics industry, because I haven't really heard of any company who does this in the cosmetics industry. Maybe it's just me not doing my research properly, but... 
you know, it is exciting what you guys are doing. So, you know, that said, um, when you talk about the app, have you, I mean, you guys obviously have launched it. I see it on Chris's phone um, and I'll definitely be downloading it after this chat. But what's the, have you guys received user feedback? Like what, what kind of pros and cons are you guys getting from the app and how does that help with further development? Yeah, I mean, I can tell you like the, the real transparent response to that. Cause I think, um, when we launched it at first, we just thought, okay, let's bring it out. Let's see what happens. And there, um, there, there was a lot of this kind of grassroots campaign kind of idea. Of course we had L'Oreal Paris behind it, which is a phenomenal brand. It's like amazing this brand, the way that they market technology, their products and their technologies, but we just put it out there just to see, you know, what would happen. And it was crazy. I mean, we had, um, enormous like organic downloads even before we had done any kind of marketing campaigns or marketing behind it most of our downloads were just completely organic based on people just seeing the technology and thinking it was really cool so at first we got like you know we have really an overwhelming positive response from consumers so we're super humbled by it but we're also we're, it validates kind of for us that we felt that this was a space that needed to be um, innovated in and, um, but there have been some comments, like some people, I don't think, I wouldn't call them negative. I would almost call them like, I wish we could have dot, dot, dot. And that comes to kind of what we talked about before. So even though we see overwhelming, like amazing, um, feedback, sometimes a lot of people think this is incredible. Um, you know, I wish I could, I could have, um, foundation. And these are all things that we kind of have in our roadmap, um, but in general, I mean, it's just been incredible. It's been such an amazing ride because we have, um, you know, organically had over a million downloads in the U.S. just in a few months. We oh, were wow. featured in the App Store. Yeah. I mean, it was just, it's insane. The, we're so excited about it. So when you, um, uh, you know, obviously your team is the one that's developing the app and like the, the, you know, the user experience in the app. But when it comes to actual marketing of the app, is that something that you pass along to another team or are you guys letting it organically gain traction out there in the marketplace? Or are you, you know, working with any sort of influencers? Like what does the marketing of the actual app look like on your end? Yeah, no, that's a good question. Like, I mean, I think because we're just a team of 20 people, or 15 to 20 people, our job isn't really to be the beast of marketing of L'Oreal. I mean, L'Oreal is the top uh, marketing company in cosmetics in the world. I mean, we just, we know, uh, you know, I don't want to go around saying, okay, here's the technology, um, you know, now I'm going to market it for you, L'Oreal Paris. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's, it would be crazy. But, you know, it, I think it, the way we kind of work with it is we say, okay, we have this technology and we think it's really disruptive. And then the brand like L'Oreal Paris, just in, like activates this enormously um, great uh, marketing plan, like around Facebook, around Twitter, around, you know, all their kinds of campaigns that they do to kind of make it happen. So we really rely on the organization, too. Like, we're not working in silo. We, what we do is we kind of just bring a piece of the puzzle, and then we rely on, you know, the power of L'Oreal to kind of bring this to the mass and to the consumers. So the marketing part is really not in in my team's hands. Although, I mean, of course, we're a part of it because, like as you said, we create the, the you know uh, a lot of the 
the UX um, in collaboration with the brand, but also the, the technology. So it all kind of packages into how we market the technology in general. That's super smart. Um, That's so, super, yeah. I was going to say, it's just the, you know, it's, I think we've kind of moved away. Like you said, it's not in silos, right? It's, mm-hmm. We've moved to more of a collaborative production and creation process. So Especially you, when you can leverage, yeah. when you can leverage, like, like you said, L'Oreal is, you know, the number one marketing um, uh, makeup brand or, or or cosmetic brand. So you can if you can leverage that them already and their capabilities, then you know you guys are are, are doing what you need to do. Now, and and then also in that spirit of collaboration, right? You know, I, I'm curious as to how much of it is you guys being autonomous and developing your stuff in you know in the secret dark room beneath the L'Oreal factory. <laughs> versus Chris, Chris is always very good at making things sound really creepy. <laughs> That's how I'm, I'm a creep. So hold on, wait. I'm uh, I'm putting my fingerprints on my think tank right now. Okay, <laughs> right. Beep, 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 beep. Um, did you have somebody's eyeball on a yeah. pencil, like for a retinal scan? <laughs> um, but no. And, and, and you know, how much of that is like you guys going in your think tank mode? And then when do you present a concept, right? Or are you given sort of yeah. an, an RFP from the company? And then you go, all right, we have a problem we need to solve, and we're going to reverse engineer. Or is it a little bit of both? Like where does where where does you where do you go from? you know, uh, development to presentation. That's, I mean, you're asking really, really good questions. I almost feel like I'm in an interview, which is like, I need a job. (laughs) Amazing. So did I, wait a minute after the, yeah, that's the last, that's the last thing we want to make you feel. (laughs) I was like, how do you know me? No. Um, So where are you you kind of like, because, you know, that's not, again, it's not really easy to answer, but it's kind of we've learned over the past 18 months. Because here's the thing, like, I have a lot of, and my team, not just myself, we have a lot of ideas which are really kind of all the way from very pragmatic to very crazy ideas. And we have to be careful, right? So, like, first we have to make sure that what we're doing actually works. Like, for example, if I want to make up to, to the brand, um, or to the large organization of L'Oreal, which is what I'm a part of. But I told everyone, oh, my God, I have this disruptive technology and makeup that I want to do. But I didn't have any proof of concepts or, like, any kind of pilots of it or, you know, try it out and to see. It'd be really hard first to convince the larger organization that this is something that they need to kind of, you know, um, get behind. And also, I need to kind of give my team a little bit of time to get it to a point where we feel it's super... Um, superior in terms of technology. So, like, I don't think we have to hide it. Like, we're not inside a little room with, like, a, you know, locked door. Like, uh, we're part of the the company and we're... But the time that we present it, both internally and externally, is really based on when it's ripe and ready to kind of give. So, for us, the key is if we have something that we think is super cool and we have some way of showing that and we've done some type of scientific work to make sure that it's actually feasible and it's a reality, like we can make it happen, then we'll go to the brand and we'll ask the brand to kind of make it what it is. So um, today, like Makeup Genius. So different projects will kind of, um, will, will kind of incubate at different times for lack of a better word. So, um, so I think, you know, it just, it, it totally depends, but you're right. It's important to know when you do that transfer because, um, you know, because otherwise, either if you go too fast, then it may not have enough time for the technology to be um, to kind of get to the point where it needs to. But if you go too slow, we may lose out on the market. So we have to kind of find that medium. Yeah. Like, 
you know, I, I happen to uh, run innovation for a, a fairly large marketing agency, and that it's the it's the space that we're in all the time, right? Is is ooh, what if? And then you have to try to explain that to somebody, exactly. and it's like how how much time do you have before you have to explain it, and how how ready can we get it? Or you know, it, exactly, it, it's there's there's always like the the give and take of. We know it's awesome in our minds, yeah. but how can we get you know the the peanut gal? No, I'm kidding. The uh, everybody else to sort of be on, be on board and understanding it and get behind well, it. Well, yeah. Unfortunately, there's always the skeptics like that that want the cart before the horse. You know, and they want they want the tangibles before that can even be delivered. When you have this you know phenomenal idea and you can't yet develop it unless you have the support of, of you know those individuals. Yeah, so. it's, it's very cliche in agency life where you're like, we, we want out-of-the-box thinking, and then you give it to them, and you're like, all right, well, let's just do a billboard. Um, but So, you know, I, I, again, I just kind of going back to, like, the fact that I like your scientific approach to innovation, right? Like, it's you're, you're almost setting this up like a real, you know, a different kind of lab. Um, what sort of yeah. scientific principles can you map to innovation, the, like the innovation process? Yeah, I mean, I think like for me, um, the way I think about it is I think of everything as what I call tech transfer. So I think of like, let's say I want to approach something like makeup, um, like Makeup Genius. It's, a, it's the best example because it's on the market. So um, with Makeup Genius, instead of thinking to myself, let me go around to every cosmetic player that's working on, you know, this type of application. I thought, let me go to the people that are the best at the technology and I'll help them kind of bring it to cosmetics. And I think this is the scientific approach, right? So the scientific approach is more like, okay, I'm going to go to whomever it is. I don't care if it's an astrophysicist sitting in Caltech, uh, like a big bang theory kind of person, or if it's like, someone that's in a cosmetic company. I don't know, but um, I'll find someone that's really the best at what they do. And then I'll kind of have to convince them and kind of bring the technology and science together. So for me, in order for something to be really innovative and have that science piece, you have to go to where it's being done at its best. And for Makeup Genius, we went to the um, augmented reality space for gaming and for the movie industry, because that's really where it's happening, right? With Pixar, with Benjamin Button, with these kinds of movies. Um, so we kind of approached it with a more, um, you know, techno- technology kind of mindset or eyes. But it's not easy because you need to know how to help them to get it to the level where it can be ready for cosmetics. It's not like plug and play, right? So, um, so I think that principle is what I'm really, really interested. In. I don't want to limit my team or myself to any field i want to just go out and find the best and find a way to bring it to l'oreal now that's interesting because you know i think on the flip side right you know I, I think a lot of scientific principles are like you know step one through ten and this is how it happens right um where innovation as a practice is very yeah. loose you know do you see a downside to that like do you ever see you know is it that one idea that you actually never get to do because because you know, you have to do the applied science to the the other one to three things that you, that you have to get out the door. Um, you know, is there a downside to the the loosey goosey creative hippie California crazy guy? By <laughs> How dare you? I'm not crazy. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> you were right. No, Chris is Chris is no, referencing um, himself. You me again. No, no yeah. so I, I mean, yeah, I think you know a lot of the scientific approach is very like 
um, operational. I think that's what you're getting at where it's like, okay, here's my hypothesis. Let me test my hypothesis. But, you know, I would go back to what I said originally, which is for me, it's not even about science or not science. It's about the people. And like, uh, entrepreneurial people, they're in every kind of field, right? They're in marketing, they're in education, they're in, um, they're in the science. And those people are the ones that kind of find another route. They, they see that there's this like A to B that's step by step, but they find a way to get there faster and more creatively. So, I mean, we have to fight that urge, right? We have to fight that urge to not become too operational because if we become too operational, then we can't really do something that's transformational for the industry. So, so I definitely agree with you. I, I mean, it's not something that like just happens. Um, but I really believe if you have the right people, um, that it does, you know, even in the scientific approach, you can do that in a way where, um, it's not like boxed up in, you know, uh, in a cube or I don't know how to say that, but you know what I mean. <laughs> I, I know exactly what you mean. Well, um, speaking of people, then if you you know if, if uh, you think and I and I totally wholeheartedly no 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 I'm <laughs> I'm I'm just curious you know it's, she agrees it's with it's me. Both, I no I, I agree and um, also you know in in both you know the L A San Francisco area New York yeah. area and just across the world I mean I don't need to you know pigeonhole it to just those areas but there's um, you know a booming amount of of minds like that. Um, but it's yeah. also extremely difficult to find minds like that. So, you know, yeah. how, how did you go about finding the members of your team? Was it like people you knew or was it, you know, scouring the webs yeah. or recommendations? I mean, how, you know, it's, it sounds like, uh, the, the people that, that contribute to what you, you, you all create is the most important. So, you know, how, how do you go about finding those types of people? Yeah, I mean, if you asked me this a year and a half ago when we started, I would give you a totally different answer. I would say, you know, if I want to create the next makeup, you know, the next makeup revolution, I'm going to go to the best makeup chemist or the best, you know, augmented reality kind of person. But what I've noticed and what I really believe is that um, I don't do that. In fact, the way that I approach it is I hire people based on like their passion and their drive more than whether or not they have the resume that fits what we're trying to create. So I'm not saying that like, I don't hire people for specific projects. I just think that every project has a spirit behind it, kind of this entrepreneurial spirit and you need a specific type of person to do it. So for me, I look more for that kind of um, that drive and passion and like spirit inside. And you're right. It's not easy to find that. It's like, sounds easy, but it's not. I mean, um, you have to really look out for it. But, you know, that's one of the good things at being at a large company because a lot of times what you see is you find these people that are all in, like, totally different walks of life and um, totally different parts of the organization that are just dying to be unleashed and kind of do something new. So um, I approach it with, like, not doing a technical approach. Like, I don't say, okay, I'm going to do something in a connected device, so I'm going to hire an engineer. Yeah. I think more about let me hire somebody that can really understands the vision of what connected devices would be for L'Oreal. And, and then they'll find the right technical people to work with to kind of make it happen. So um, I think taking that approach is much more effective than, than taking an approach where it's like, I'm only looking at on paper 
you know, do they fit this very specific job description? I'm like very anti-job description hmm, that, when it comes to this. It's funny. Thing. I mean, that, that's really interesting, you know, especially when you are in sort of this creative space, it's a little bit more of a feeling than it is like, oh, we need yeah. these specific skill sets, right? Because you, you also have to work really well with, because these people, they're creative and fun and outgoing and, I, well, maybe not always outgoing, but like, <laughs> but smart, you have to, right? yeah, you have to be able to, if you're going to be an innovative team, you have to be able to work well together. So I'm sure it also has yeah. a bit to do with that. You know, you have to be able to get into a room with this person, right? And, and when, you, when you start talking about, totally. you know, people's passion points, I think that's a really interesting thing. I was going to ask, you know, what what are your personal passion points, right? L'Oreal or not, like if we took you and placed you in, you know, at Westfield or took you and placed you at Activision or, you know, anywhere else, like what are, what are your, what personally drives you? Because you, you're obviously excited about, uh, <laughs> about what you do. <laughs> Thanks for, I, I know that came over uh, excitement uh, on the phone, but no, you know, I think, um, like, for me, what really excites me is, and it's an odd kind of, it's, it seems a little bit more like a contradiction or a paradox, but like, what really excites me is being able to convince people and consumers and the organization that something that maybe doesn't seem that intuitive will be something really great. I love that selling point. Like, I love to kind of, I don't need everyone to be behind me right at the beginning. I don't need everyone to be like, oh my God, Gabe, you're like amazing. And you're the, which by the way, doesn't happen. But if it did, um, I wouldn't like, it's not what I like. I like to kind of convince people of the dream and what this could kind of create. And I love that moment where this kind of like um, Oprah aha moment where you like see people and they're like, wow, this is like really exciting. So I wake up every day trying to like bring that positivity to the organization because when you're doing innovation, I mean, there are moments where you wake up and I won't lie, where you think like nothing's going to work. Everything's going to fail. It's like, and if you don't have that, you know, positivity and enthusiasm, it's what really drives me. Like it's, I think more of the big picture. I think more about like, I want people to understand you know, where we can go all together rather than I'm the one that's right. So this right. kind of convincing point. And, you know, I just love technology. I mean, it's like um, maybe it's my uh, science side and my PhD side, but I just love meeting people and startups that we work with that are just, you know, super excited about one thing and their whole life revolves around this one thing. It's, it's just love that energy. Let me ask you this. It, you know, when sometimes when I look at let's just say the word innovation, right? Uh, I think a lot of people immediately go to technology. You know, is there anything, at least in your purview, which is a word I always hate and it always comes out of my mouth, purview. <laughs> it, just, it just sounds horrible. Um, that and swim lanes. I say swim lanes. <laughs> Stay, with, we, without, we're going to set up our swim lanes. I'm without, like, what without any association with swimming, actually? <laughs> no, it's just your yes, own. It's like, here's your, here's your, yeah, here's your roles and yeah, responsibilities uh-huh. and... Stay out of my lane. (laughs) (laughs) That's not very collaborative. (laughs) You're absolutely right. No no lane lines. Um, Now I forget what I was going to ask. No, it's just like... Setting up that the sort of operational capacity to to do cool things, um, and also yeah. ha- having a you know a team there that can buy in on a you know on a concept, and so you're not just going in as like it's me, Gee, with another great idea. <laughs> it's like we've you know we've <laughs> we've thought this through. Um, so I, you yeah, know, I applaud you guys for that. Um, and and then the other point is your title has the word global in it. 
So, and you mentioned yeah. like team members all over the world. Um, so it's a, it's a twofold question. A, you know, how do you work with people across the sea, right? On a project, let's call, let's use Makeup Genius as an example, um, or across many yeah. seas. Uh, and then two, you know, what are some of the lookouts you see from even cultural standpoints as L'Oreal is a global brand, but what may be relevant and cool in Latin America is going to be different than what's cool in South Central, where Kat and I live. So, um, <laughs> nice. we have a very different perspective on things than Latin America. <laughs> no, I mean, okay, so I'll, I'll, take your, I'll take your second question first. So, um, no, you know, I think like for me, um, the, the cultural diversity, and maybe this is because I come from Berkeley and I'm like, uh, you know, a Californian and I, I just have been raised with this idea that differences in opinion are actually a good thing because it's not that like everyone should agree with each other. I think you're right when you said that everyone should get along, but I think that we, it's this tension behind different, um, cultural kind of perspectives and also life perspectives that really provide much higher innovations than if it's just everyone is like robotic and kind of all agrees with each other. So like um, when I first started the incubator, the, the point was, well, let's just open it in Silicon Valley. But then I thought to myself, yeah, there's a lot of diversity in Silicon Valley, but there's also a lot of cultural diversity of being in different geographies that provides a different consumer perspective. And L'Oreal is exactly about that. Like we're a global company and we're totally um, all about beauty for all. It's all about like, let's, let's understand our local consumers and understand what they want and what they need. So I think if we had just done this in a very kind of bubble, you know, um, beautiful weather, San Francisco uh, kind of incubator, we wouldn't have like a lot of the perspective that we have on, how we can make these technologies really big for everyone. So um, that's why we have people in Europe. We have a, uh, a couple of people in Asia. We have people in New York. As you know, New York and California are really different. So um, it kind of provides that. Also, the educational kind of diversity, like having a UX designer sitting with a PhD in physics together trying to create stuff. I mean, by itself, it's such a diverse kind of way of working that I think that, like, the more diversity, the better. So... Um, and that kind of just enables us to create technologies which would adapt to different parts of the world because we just have, we have people from different parts of the world and we have different perspectives. So, um, so yeah, so did that, no, was great. that what you were looking for? No, it was interesting. Okay. <laughs> I, I think a common theme that comes up on the show a lot is, especially when you're thinking about innovation or disruptive change or however you want to phrase it, is perspective yeah. gathering right is having multiple multiple perspectives in a room you know if it's the same three guys or girls you know on the on each project every time you know what you're you're gonna get this yeah you know, exactly. the same sort yeah. of thing but because you're gathering all these di- like you said just like disparagingly different disciplines yeah. and they're gonna approach a problem from you know uh just those two different perspectives right and it's like oh well yeah, mathematically totally. yeah. and then you go well in the marketplace <laughs> you know and i'm in my country um and then you start to find yeah. that that middle that middle ground i'm well i'm sure one of the unifying things is knowing the demographic that you're trying to reach right like i i does yeah. does l'oreal have a specific demographic that you know at the end of the day even if everybody has a very diverse opinion you all know kind of what 
like you all have a, a, a very clear outlook a on yeah a baseline of who you're trying to reach, right? Yeah, I mean, we do in certain situations, we do kind of understand, especially when we adapt technologies to local markets, we'll start to kind of understand what those local markets needs are. But I mean, if you just look at the way L'Oreal is structured, even I mean, I can speak for the research part, because I'm a part of it. And I think what's really cool about our research is that we have centers all around the world. So like, we don't innovate for the for example, for the Brazilian consumer, um, sitting inside France, we have a research center in Brazil and we understand like the local market of Brazilian women and Brazilian men that help us kind of adapt and, and, you know, globalize, um, globalize our company. So, and I think we take the same approach even with our incubator. Like if we want to launch something in a different country, we talk to that market and we understand what they're looking for. So we can adapt and make kind of changes. So, um, the consumer in that market will feel more like they feel like it's it's personalized to what they want and what they need. I think it's really important because it's like if you're a global brand or a global company, you need to really adapt that. So we do that both on the research level, on the business level. So um, I think adaptation to cultural and diversity and also like location, geographical location is a key way that we stay number one in the industries that we kind of adapt ourselves to that environment. Well, by the way, if you need any more uh, research on Brazilian women, please, uh, I'll, I'll email you my resume. <laughs> you know, I, I had a feeling you were going to say that. <laughs> I'm glad you brought it up. <laughs> He's already doing it on <laughs> the side, you know? <laughs> yeah, he already has a huge portfolio <laughs> nice. of research. Hey, it was one website. <laughs> um, I'm just happy you're not reading any more of my papers from, uh, like, 2001. <laughs> I, you know, no, it was really weird. When I was reading some of that stuff, I'm like, what is it? Who is this guy? Because it was... He's like, it, what, it was, is this, what is this podcast going to sound like? Right. It, was like yeah, exactly. it was like mutants. Now I'm going to talk to you about osteoporosis. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um, I, you just get crickets from me if you if we went that route. Um, as, as, as we start to wind down, uh, you know, uh, how do you stay informed, right? Like, you, you run a global operation. You've, you've got scientists, marketers, engineers, technologists, yourself. Um, yeah. You've got people to answer to. How do you stay on top of like what out there is cool and you know and things that you should be paying attention to versus not and not spending your yeah. wheels on something? Well, I mean, I think there are two things. To, the first is like staying humble is really important. Like, I didn't think that okay, we created Makeup Genius and now we're like the most amazing people on the face of the earth. I mean, it's one kind of um, disruption that we were really happy about. But what's really important is to keep your ears open to everybody, like no matter what level they are in the organization, to consumers and to kind of, it's a very like uh, emotional and visual kind of industry. So just like my point where I said to you, where I went to a Walgreens and just saw a woman at the shelf, like keeping your eyes open and kind of brings me inspiration. And I think um, having your feet on the ground and being able to do that and for my team to do that kind of gives us this ability to come up with new things. And I think the second thing is that we have to we learn from every kind of mistake and also success that we have. So like the more that we go about what we do, the more we can understand which ideas we think would be really amazing and which ones we think we need to kind of sit on and not really, and, and see where it goes and things like that. So we're, we're still learning, you know, so we're uh, 18 months into it, but I think that, um, keeping ourselves really open to everybody in the organization. I mean, and not only organization in our lives, 
I mean, I have people like in my, you know, I have some of my friends coming up to me, even guy friends, like, ooh, I would love to do, you know, could you create this? I mean, you could kind of roll your eye or you, you know, that idea might be the next, like, huge idea. So, um, so I think, you know, that humbleness, keeping ourselves open to listening to everybody's ideas, but also understanding what we stand for and what we really want to do so that we can kind of bring those two together and figure out what to do next. Well, my idea is to have a portion of the app where you can put all 300 products on your face at the same time. <laughs> Done. I think Done. Zo- the, I word, the, word, so the, the word zombie comes to mind. <laughs> a very yeah, beautiful... I just sent you a test flight. just for you. A very beautiful and, and, and luscious looking zombie, but a zombie nonetheless. Um, there you go. Thank you, Kat, for that. Um, so the show is called Innovation Crush. I, I hope you know that uh, by now. And um, is there anything out there outside of your purview... Um, that you see as innovative in the marketplace? Maybe it might be an advertising campaign, a new technology, a cultural event that you've seen kind of grow, a food. Like, is there, what kind, what is Give Baluch crushing on out there? What am I looking at right now, huh? No, you know, I think um, I, I'm constantly inspired by new things every day. And I think it's probably because I'm in this, um, I travel around the world so much. I'm in an airplane probably more than I'm like on the ground. So I, I kind of see things all the time. And right now I'm like super into this whole, um, revolution in like connected devices and data. Like I just think to myself, um, I just bought one of these scales, these connected way scales. And I was thinking to myself, it's like the, the way that we were so many years ago where anything that could be digital will be digital. I think now it's like anything that can be connected will be connected. Right. So, so I've just seen so many really innovative products on the market that are related to that, that have started to kind of inspire me lately. I've just been thinking about kind of connecting everything that I do. I'm like, I want to just connect everything and just figure out which data matters to me. So, um, you know, so I, I've, I've been into that lately. I don't know. And I've, and I think, you know, um, every day I'm inspired by something. So um, and I think we have to be. Otherwise, it's, uh, it'll get boring. No, that's great. Yep. Um, and then last but not least, uh, complete this phrase for me. Innovation to me is? Innovation to me is, um, is spirit, is positivity, and it's um, resilience. I tro- totally believe in this idea of this marriage between um, resilience and conviction and an enthusiasm and positivity that just never ends. And I think that that spirit together creates really innovation. That's great. Words to live by. Words to live by. <laughs> um, there you go. Well, I want to thank you. How can, how you can, can people get in touch with you or find out more about what you guys are doing? Do you have like a live stream of your, your uh, secret layer there? <laughs> no, how can people find you? <laughs> yes, just Google Think Tank. No, I'm kidding. Um, you can, uh, you, I have a you know, Facebook page and a Twitter page that you can uh, follow. So, Give Baluch, I think it's Give CBI, so Connected Beauty Incubator. Um, and you can, you know, just, just follow us on the web. You can see Makeup Genius and, and I encourage everyone to kind of give it a try and see what you think and let us know about it. That sounds awesome. I, I will be addicted to it by, by 7 p.m. Pacific Standard Time tonight. <laughs> that's for sure. <laughs> I love how you said Pacific Standard Time. That's two hours. Ha- you have one, you better hurry because you have I know, hour and a half, I know, so. I know. I was looking <laughs> at my She's got a phone. date later. <laughs> 
guys are too kind. You know, it's a lot for having me. No, but thank you. Hey, everybody, this has been another installment of Innovation Crush. Uh, so lovely to have my special guest co-host. Well, thank you for having Kat me. Jones. I love getting the call, and uh, you know, I'll do it anytime. Maria, are you good back there? Okay, all right. She's been so quiet. Maria, um, thank she you. wins in the hair category. She wins. <laughs> all right, everybody. We'll talk to you next time. Woo. If you like listening to comedy, try watching it on the internet. The folks behind the Sideshow Network have launched a new YouTube channel called Wait For It. It's got interviews with comedians like Reggie Watts, Todd Glass, Liza Schleichinger, Schleichinger. I've been friends with her for 10 years. One of the funniest people out there, and I still have a hard time with the last name, Liza. Our very own Owen Benjamin, that's me, takes you on a musical journey down internet rabbit holes and much more. You don't have to wait any longer. Just go to YouTube.com slash WaitForItComedy. There's no need to wait for it anymore because it's here and it's funny. And I love you. A few days ago, Brooke Tudine posted an inspirational quote on her wall that got 17 likes and three comments. Thumbs up, Brooke. Geico also wants to make a comment. In just 15 minutes, you could save hundreds of dollars on your car insurance by switching to Geico. And nothing says inspiration better than saving money. Well, except for those posters that say things like teamwork, excellence, and make it happen. Hashtag keep climbing. Hashtag savings. Geico. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance.